0: Welcome to primetime. Amen. How did your taping series go today?
1: It went great. Uh, we got six sessions done today. A...
0: For a beginner, that's marvelous.
1: <laughs> you know, we had a good crew. <laughs>
0: no, it. it uh, the crew is always the same. It's a, it's amazing what happens when somebody knows what they're doing. And you guess you know what you're doing.
1: Well, the Lord has trained me.
0: Well, thanks for coming and being part of of what we're doing here. And uh, I understand you want to just tear loose and go.
1: Well, it's, it's a privilege to be able to stand here and teach the people what God has showed me from His Word. Okay. It's God bless you, and we'll see you, when you get through. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's great to be with you tonight. Uh, I consider it a great, great privilege to stand here and talk to you about the wonderful things that God has shown me. Beyond my wildest dreams... I never dreamed the Lord would call me to do what he has called me to do in these last years. When everybody else is getting ready to retire, he has dropped me into the ministry full-time. Serving the Lord as an engineer and a man traveling across the country, building buildings, designing equipment, and all those kind of things, as he was showing to me and revealing himself to me in the Word, as I began to learn how to pray, and to pray in faith over my work. And I began to see the Lord do some of the most great and awesome things. I built buildings in record time, and I even went to Cairo, Egypt, uh, way back several years ago, and uh, I was asked to go over there by a regional VP and build a building. And when I got over there, (laughs) the lady that was in charge of the organization told me, After I walked around the place about three days, I didn't say a thing. I looked at this massive project, and she told the VP I was with, she said, this man's not the man for the job. And he said, just let him do whatever he wants to do, and then step back and get out of his way. And so she did, and three months later, I opened her facility. It had been under construction for years, and she wanted to know how I could do all these wonderful things that I did. And I told her I did them all through prayer in the name of Jesus. And when you're in a Muslim country, and there's not any Christians anywhere that you can find, I was a little unique, dropped in over there in the middle of that place. But anyway, I got to see the Lord do great and wonderful things, and then as I began to learn how to pray in faith over how to do tangible things in the building industry and the world, I began to learn how to pray the prayer of faith for people and get people saved, healed, and delivered. And the Word of God began to take on an entirely new revelation to me. About 20 years ago, I learned a word from the Word of God that my wife and her daughter sing about tonight, the word sozo. The first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how that revelation came to me and what that word has meant to me. Now, Cheryl has taken those words that she's heard me teach so many times in church and just recently, she's put those to music. And like I say, only in the last few weeks have we worked. I will have to say that she has stayed up night and day putting that music, and she spent, stayed in the studio day and night putting that song together. And I don't even know how many hours she spent, but I know many, many hours and nights till 2, 3, and 4, even one morning till 5 in the morning. She was still in the studio putting that song together. So she's put a lot of effort into that song. But that song we believe is from God. That's going to be our theme song. Because that word sozo <clears throat> absolutely made the the greatest impact in my life of any single word in the entire Word of God since I've become a Christian. The way I learned about the word sozo was after computers came out in in nineteen eighty we began to get to the point where we could get software that had the Bible on computer. And now then, instead of having to look up all these words in a book and having all these extra books and dictionaries and everything, I've got everything on a computer. One night, I was sitting there reading the Word of God in a computer. I had never done that until after the early 80s because it was not available. But I was sitting there reading the Word of God, and I'd been reading for hours, and I was reading the book of Romans. And as I was reading it, studying it, looking at some of the words and everything, I came upon a scripture that is so well known to anybody that's ever led anybody to Jesus. If you're in a church that teaches you how to lead people to Jesus, you will know this scripture in Romans chapter 10. Well, in Romans chapter 10, starting out verse 8 and 9, it seems quite simple when you just read it, when you read it in English. But the Word of God says... In Romans 10:8, it says, "But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart." That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now that seems quite simple. Now, I might say that at this point, anyone that's a born-again Christian, they had to do that, or they're not saved. Every human being that has accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, you have had to confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart the Father raised him from the dead, or you're not saved. Now, a lot of people think they're saved, but they've never made that decision by faith. Now, then, you can voice that and say that and still not be saved. You have to do that by faith. Now, if you do it by faith in God's Word, then and then you are saved. Now, then, when you see that and you know that that Word is true, then when you speak with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that the Father raised Him from the dead, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. Now, then, if you're like I was, I didn't hear any angels say anything. I didn't hear any bells or whistles or nothing else. I just knew I was saved because it was written in the Word of God. But this night, as I read this magnificent scripture, which I had read and quoted and knew by heart, but I just happened to come over it again, this night I touched on the word saved in verse 9. The last word in in verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. When I clicked on the word saved, the word highlighted. And when it highlighted, it pulled in the word in the Greek text, sozo. I thought sozo, S-O-Z-O. I've never heard of that word before. Never heard it spoken. But right down below that, since everything was synchronized together, immediately the Greek dictionary pulled in these five definitions that the girls sing about a while ago. Saved, healed, made whole, delivered, and preserved. I thought how strange that one word in the Greek text would mean five different things in the English language. I thought, I wonder how many times the word sozo is used in the Greek text. God says, let everything... Everything be confirmed out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. So if God says something in his word one time, you better pay attention to it. But if he says it twice, you really better pay attention to it. And if he says it three times, it's done. I mean, you really better look at it. But when I went to the word sozo and done a quick search on the word sozo, I found out the word sozo had been used 120 times in 103 different verses throughout the New Testament. I thought, Lord, you must really be trying to show me something or tell me something here. So I went back to the book of Matthew and started reading every book, every chapter in the book of Matthew, all the way through the book of Revelation, the word sozo is used, all the way through the entire New Testament, many times, 120 times. I went back to Matthew and began to read every one of them, and for hours, hours I read each one of those verses. As I read it, I looked at it, and I looked at the context of the message of which Jesus was speaking, or whoever was speaking at the time, all of it's the Word of God. And as he was using those words, one time the word would be translated saved. The next time the word would be translated healed. Healed. And then made whole and delivered and preserved. And after I read for hours on those 120 places in the Word of God, I came to a conclusion. I said, Lord, right now I am more confused than I've ever been in my life. I said, I don't understand if this word sozo means all of those five things. I said, I accepted you as my Lord and Savior when I was a little 11-year-old boy, and I did it by faith. I said, I know at that time I was born again. I became a born-again Christian at 11. But I said, Lord, if the Word of God means I was healed at the same time I was saved, if I was healed on the cross 2,000 years ago, then why in the world, why have I been sick so many times since I was 11? I said, I don't understand this, Lord. And this is another one of those times when you're talking out loud to God that you don't realize the king is listening. But he's always listening. He spoke to me in an audible voice. When I say audible, it sounds audible to me. It is the authoritative voice of the Lord. Just like in the New Testament, he spoke to many of his men and he spoke to them out loud in a voice they could hear. They answered him. They talked to him. There's several cases in the Word of God, many where this has happened. So this is not a unique thing that God has just started doing. He's done this many, many times, even written in the New Testament. So when I made this statement to the Lord, I'm more confused now than I've ever been, Lord, and I don't understand why I've been sick so many times, because I'd had double pneumonia a couple of times. I'd been down in my back six times. Uh, I'd had uh, the flu at least once every year for as long as I could remember. But I thought that was normal. I thought everybody had to have those problems. But obviously I was wrong. The Lord spoke to me and he said, Son, the reason you've been sick is because you have never received me as your healer by faith in my word. I said, Lord, I have to do everything by faith in your word. He said, I clearly wrote that for you in Hebrews 11:6." Without faith, it's impossible to please me. And I went back and looked at Hebrews 11:6, and that's what it said. Without faith or trust in the Word of God, it's impossible to please God. So that night I did something that was a little unique. I had never seen this done before in my life. I fell on my knees. I just turned my computer chair around, fell on my knees on the floor with my hands raised. I said, Lord... When I was an 11-year-old boy, I received you as my Lord and my Savior. And I know I was saved because it's written in your word. But I said, tonight I am receiving you as my healer and my deliverer. And from this day forth, I will never be sick again. I am now learning that sickness and disease comes because I sin or I open the door. And any time I walk not in faith, I'm walking in sin. So I said, Lord, I'll do everything I can to walk wholly before you, no sin, I'll walk in obedience to your word, and I'll walk in faith, and I'll walk in love. Because you told me that my faith, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, my faith worketh by love. So, Lord, I'm going to walk in love, because I know if I don't walk in love, my faith won't work. So I'm going to walk in love, I'm going to be obedient to your word, and tonight I'm receiving you as my healer by faith in your word. And I said, thank you, Lord. And from this day forth, I'll go and tell people that I am healed, just like I'm saved, and I'm delivered from the kingdom of darkness, and that I will not be sick anymore, in Jesus' name. So I got up off my knees and continued to read and study and pray a little while longer. Next morning, I got up and went to my workplace. I walked in the door. When I did, the first thing I did, I throwed my arms up and said, praise God. You guys and gals are looking at a man that got revelation from the Word of God last night, and you're looking at a man that's never going to have another sick day. They all laughed at me. Come on, Thurman. You've always been a religious fanatic. But now then, you've stepped off the deep end. You know everybody's going to have to be sick. I said, you can be sick if you want to, but I am not going to be sick anymore. From this day forth, I will never be sick again because I learned by revelation from the Word of God that Jesus not only bore my sin on the cross, and there he said I should die to sin and live unto righteousness, but he said by his stripes I was healed. And so if I was, I am, and I'm never going to have another sick day. Well, they didn't believe me. In fact, one of the men there, he laughed at me, and he was a very strong Christian man. He kind of laughed, and after I walked off, I heard, heard him tell some of the people. He said, oh, well. He said, Thurman, he's just a religious fanatic. He's dropped off the deep end. He said, first time he gets sick, we'll go laugh at him. Five years came and went, and I was never sick. And so he came and talked to me one day. He said, Thurman, have you been sick in the last five years? I said, no, sir, and I'm not ever going to be sick again because I received Jesus as my healer according to the Word of God. He said, would you mind sitting down and telling me and sharing with me how you did that? And so I sat down with him and showed it to him. And that man also received Jesus as his healer that day. And as far as I know, since that day, that man's never been sick. But it has worked well for me for 20 years. Now, I'm not teaching you something tonight I've not experienced. The first 45 years of my life, I was a Christian from the time I was 11 on, but I had many sicknesses and many diseases. And I will have to say... I sinned far too many times. Now, when I say sin, don't get me wrong. I didn't run around on my wife. I didn't go out and commit adultery. I didn't go out and lie and steal and cheat. I did some things that were not of faith, but I did walk holy before God. I was not a man. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a deacon in my church and everything, and I I was raised to have a very high moral standard. And so I didn't do the things that a lot of people did. I never drink. I never smoke. I never cussed. I never done any of those kind of things. I tried my best to walk as holy as I knew how all these years with the Lord. And it's paid great dividends. But I knew I had to walk in love. And so as I began to share these truths with people, it seems like they didn't want to hear it. I tried to share them with my church where I was a member. And as I would try to share it with them... They said, but Thurman, that's not what he meant. I said, well, my goodness, if that's not what he meant, then what do you think he meant? Well, it's amazing how people would explain away what these verses mean. So, as I tried my best to walk in love, it was difficult, because I wanted people to know what God had showed me. But it's like their ears were closed. They didn't want to hear it. So I just thought, okay, I'll just... I'll talk to them, and those that'll listen, okay. And those that won't hear, well, then that's okay, too. I can't make anybody do anything. All I can do is pray for them. But the longer I walked in this, the more I studied the Word of God, and the greater in depth my knowledge and understanding came, became of the Word of God. And I began to have a lot more questions about the Word. I thought, if I can walk in divine health, if I can walk in love, And I can come against the enemy. I thought, why can't everybody in the church do this? I don't understand this. Because what I was learning from God's word was a little unique. And although I'd been in church all my life, I'd never heard these things taught. And so then one day, I began to question the Lord. I said, Lord, there's so many things I don't understand. I have learned how to walk in divine health. And I'm trying to teach others, and some of them will listen, a few of them will, most of them won't. But I said, Lord, I have a real, real concern. Number one, Lord, my concern is not so much as how to teach people how to walk in divine health, although I want to do that. I said, my concern is for the souls that are lost. I said, why is it that they're lost? I said, Lord, I believe with all my heart, since we were made in your image and your likeness, that... Is Unless something happens to distort us, we would all come and accept you as Lord and Savior very early in our life. And so since we are made in the image of God and his likeness, he did make us, I began to question the Lord. I said, Lord, why is it that people won't accept this great and awesome gift, not only of divine healing, but why won't they accept this gift of salvation, which is free? I said, Lord, according to your word, there's no longer a sin problem on the earth, only a sinner problem. I said, now, Jesus Christ paid the price for the sins of the whole world. Anybody, anywhere, anytime, I don't care how wicked you are, I don't care what you've done, I don't care how long you've lived in that sin, anybody can come to Jesus and receive him as their Lord and Savior, and they can be sozoed or saved. And it's a very simple thing. But I said, Lord, I don't understand why when I walk up to someone and say, let me tell you the best thing ever happened to me. One day, I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I became a born-again Christian, and now I've learned from the Word of God that I am in Christ. I have all this wonderful authority and power in Christ, and I'm going to get to live An abundant life in Christ here on the earth. And then when I die, I get to go to heaven instead of going to the flames of hell. I said, how would you like to make Jesus Lord of your life? And almost everybody I told it to said, I'm not interested. I thought, Lord, there's something wrong here. Now, then not only do not the church doesn't want to live in divine health, but the people out there in the world don't even want to accept your free gift of salvation. So I said, Lord, there's got to be something wrong. What is the problem? And so the Lord began to take me through the scriptures, and he took me to this scripture in 2 Corinthians. Let me go over here and read this chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is where the Lord led me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it starts out saying, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So we're not going to handle the word of God deceitfully. We're going to hand it off exactly according to what it is. And then look what he says. And we're, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this openly before all people. Now that's what I had been doing. I, we're, You know, we're going to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. We're not going to walk into craftiness or handle the Word of God deceitfully. We're going to walk wholly before God. But still, people have a problem believing and receiving the Word of God. So I said, Lord, the, what is the problem? What is the problem? So the very next verse in verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. I thought, okay, there's the first Correct thing. The gospel is hid to those that are lost. I've been sharing with people that are lost. So, since I'm sharing with people that are lost, what is the problem? And let's read on a little further. He says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And I sat there and meditated on that a few minutes, and I thought, Lord, that's the problem. The God of this world. I've had people that, when I say the God of this world, they don't realize who the God of this world is. The God of this world is Satan. I think about when you have an insurance policy and people say, well, this covers everything but an act of God. In other words, if a hurricane comes and washes away everything or if a tornado comes that's an act of god you know i used to believe that was an act of the god that created us and then one day i realized that's not true at all god doesn't do that he says all good and perfect gifts comes from him he says abundant life comes from him so if all that's true then who is it that's doing all these devastating things Who is it that Jesus was rebuking when he was walking on the winds and the waves? Whenever he's rebuked the winds and the waves, was he rebuking his father? I don't think so. He was rebuking the enemy. He was rebuking the devil. And Jesus said, we can do the same thing, but we don't believe that either. But it says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I thought, okay, Lord, here's the problem. Satan has blinded the mind of the people. So what do I do? What kind of power, what kind of authority do I have? What can I do here, Lord? I mean, if Satan has blinded the mind of these people, so what do I do to get them saved? The answer has got to be in the Word of God. So I continue to read this book. And as I continue to read this book, I come up on this scripture. Go here to another place first before I read that. Just happened to think of another place I want to go. I want to go to 1 John 3:8 before I go there. I want to show you something here. 1 John 3:8. Listen to this. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sent us from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I would look out there and I would say, Now, Lord, that confirms that verse I just read over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, The people that commit sin is of the devil. Their father is the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Okay, if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, I thought, did he really do that? Well, let's go to another place in the Word of God, and let's see if he did. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, and let's see what Hebrews 2, 14 says. Hebrews two fourteen says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, and he's talking about us, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now, we realize right there that Jesus did destroy the works of the devil. And I thought, how in the world did he do that? I mean, this, this takes some thinking, meditating. How did Jesus destroy the works of the devil? What gave him power over the devil? Then I got to thinking, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he gave it to man. He gave man dominion over the heavens and the earth. He told us to reign over it, to subdue it, and everything was under our authority. Well, then this beast comes along, Satan. And Satan deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, and he got The kingdom, he got the earth, the kingdoms of the earth from us. We gave it to him legally. We passed it right on to him. And we became servants of the devil. So for 4,000 years, Satan reigned over man. He killed man as he wanted to. I mean, we belonged to him, so there was nothing that could be done. But as man cried out to God, finally, 4,000 years into history, 2,000 years ago, The father sent his only son, Jesus, to the earth, and he realized that to gain back the earth, since he gave the earth to man, he would have to gain it back through a man. But where was he going to find the man that was without sin? There was no such thing. Sin had been passed down to every man. So the father sent his only son, Jesus. He had to be born of a woman so he could become a man, but he had to come from the Father so there would be no sin. So Jesus came, and he was the first man that had lived on the earth in 4,000 years that had no sin. So when Satan did his best and his worst in those years, he finally drove man to kill Jesus without a cause. When he caused man... To kill Jesus without a cause. Of course, it was the demons in these people that drove them to do this. And when they killed Jesus, they killed an innocent man. So when they killed an innocent man, that's the way our Lord defeated the devil. Now then, in the judicial system of heaven, this was the first man that Satan had killed that he had no claim to. Since he had no claim to him, he's now signed his own death sentence. Now, the earth belonged to the devil... So he couldn't be annihilated, but his kingdom was defeated. Jesus destroyed that kingdom. He overpowered him. And let me take you back to Colossians, and I'm going to show you what he did in the book of Colossians. Whenever you get a hold of these scriptures, when these become a reality to you, you can do great and mighty things. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Colossians 2:15. Listen to this. In fact, I'm going to start with verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. Now, this is the law he's talking about. He blotted out the law that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. And then, verse 15 says, after He'd done this, and having spoiled or disarmed principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, the cross. When that word, spoiled, when I clicked on that one that and having spoiled or disarmed principalities and powers, That means Satan and his demons, they were totally disarmed. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. I realize right there, if Jesus triumphed over the devil and he disarmed him totally, completely, then why in the world is Satan still appear to be running things on the earth? Why is so many people beat up by the devil? Why are they sick and afflicted? Why is there so many people lost? Why is that? The Scripture clearly said in 2 Corinthians 4 that they're lost because the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded their mind to the gospel. So by blinding the mind of the people, Satan is still here. He still has that power, and he's still blinding the mind of people. And unfortunately, he's blinding the mind of far too many people because us in the church are just like I was most of my life, I spent too much time working, trying to make a living, and not enough time reading and meditating on the Word of God. When I began to read this book in great detail, I began to understand what this book was saying. I thought, Lord, this is awesome that you have completely disarmed and triumphed over the devil. And I said, Lord, so if you've triumphed over, what can I do? If he's the one that's blinding the minds of all these people, what can I do? Well, the Lord took me back to a magnificent scripture here in the book of Luke. When I come back over here to Luke chapter 10, when I get to this magnificent promise, now I read this a lot of times, and it made no sense to me whatsoever. When I read this, it says in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 18, And Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Every time I would read that, the God of this world, Satan, would send a demon to blind my mind to the truth of that scripture. I would read that and I'd say, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And immediately I would see a picture of a snake and a little scorpion crawling along on the floor. I thought, Why in the world would Jesus give me power to tread on snakes and scorpions? I said, Lord, I'm not going to walk on a snake. I'm not going to... If I I see a scorpion out there, if I see a snake, I'll kill it. But if I see a scorpion, I'll just step on it and I'll kill it. So I don't understand until as I continued to pray over this and meditate on this, then the Lord finally got through to me. He said, and to tread on serpents and scorpions. And then I found out that serpent was the devil and the scorpion were his demons or those that pierce the body. Those demons enter our physical bodies just like a scorpion would, a sting They're poison. They come right into our flesh. They come in to put symptoms and pains and sickness and disease upon us and to mess with our flesh. He said he gives us power to tread on them. And then he says, over all the power of the enemy. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. Over all the power of the enemy, the enemy is Satan and his demons. Just like that scripture says, Satan and his demons. I thought, Then he says that nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. I thought, Lord, if that means what it says, then why is it the enemy is beating up on us as Christians? And, of course, the world, I know why he's beating up on them because they don't know anything about the Word of God. But I thought, why in the world is the devil beating up on me so bad because I'm having all this sickness, disease, problems, back troubles, I just thought it was a way of life. I didn't realize it was a demonic spirit. I had no idea that in this second heaven, in fact, this is something right here we'll talk about in just a little bit. We're all very comfortably aware of this first heaven that we live in. We can see things that are made out of glass or steel or, or wood or whatever, and we can smell them, feel them. And so we're very comfortable in the first heaven. But when you go to the Word of God, you find out there's a second heaven and a third heaven. The third heaven is where the Father lives, and the second heaven starts right here in the same environment we're in right now, and it goes all the way out to the third heaven. Now, Satan lives in the second heaven. He's a spirit being, and you can't see him. But you must realize that in this first heaven that we're in, there's another heaven that encompasses encompasses the very same space that we're in right now, and I can assure you right now in this studio, there is angels and demons. They're here. And the angels are here to protect you and watch over you. And the demons are here to do you harm. But they're here. But they're here and Satan has sent demons to you. And the Lord has sent angels to watch over his children. I have learned from the Word of God that when we sin, we give legal right to this enemy to come in us. To make us sick and afflict us. To do devastating things to our flesh. Now, then, as I've learned this, the Lord has revealed to me by spoken word and then through the word that as long as I walk holy before Him, Satan cannot touch me. Now, He's told me that in many different scriptures, and one of them's over in the book of Proverbs, one of them's in the Psalms, and one over in 1 John. And we'll cover those in detail here in a little bit. But when I got a hold of this in Luke 10:19 and 20, and I learned that I have all power over the enemy, and the enemy shall in no wise hurt me. And then verse 20, after I thought, well, the enemy comes against me, but since I can't see him, what can I do? And then verse 20 became a revelation. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not, that the spirits or the evil spirits are subject unto you. How in the world do you make an evil spirit subject unto you? You do it the same way that you make anybody else on this earth subject to you. I was a manager of a large corporation, an engineering manager for many years, and I had many men working for me. Those men were subject to me when I called them and told them what I wanted to do. They obeyed me, they were subject to me. I was the boss. I had a boss also. When he called me and told me something he wanted done, I had to be subject to him. And then I would pass the information on We'd design equipment, build things, but I'd have men help me. So those men had to be subject to me. And then it became a reality to me that if Satan has to be subject to me, and he's an invisible being, and he's the one, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that brings sickness and disease, If Jesus walked on this earth and he cast out demons and people were healed from everything, if he commanded demons to stop messing with the sea and the sea became still, the wind settled down, the tornadoes stopped, the high winds stopped. If he spoke to a demon and somebody was delivered and he was healed, if he spoke or commanded demons to come out and blind eyes opened, ears were unstopped, people got up and walked, Women straightened up. All kinds of things happened when Jesus spoke to a demon. And I got to thinking, if Jesus spoke to an invisible being that he could not see, and they obeyed him, then I had the power to do the same thing. So I thought, okay, when I see someone that's got this problem, whatever it is, I will, first of all, speak to them or speak to the evil spirit and see what happens. So I started out first speaking to the problem whenever someone would be crippled or whatever. In fact, I might just tell you right here, and I was on GLC just a few months ago, and there was a lady from Carlsbad, New Mexico. I won't call the names, but I don't think they would mind. But they had a grandson that was four years old and three years old. And the three-year-old, they went to a Methodist church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And this little boy was three years old, and he'd been having seizures since he was seven months old. Now, they had a special prayer team at that church to pray for that little boy. That little boy, for two and a half years, had been down with seizures numerous times. And his daddy told me they had care flighted him from Carlsbad, New Mexico to uh, Amarillo two times with a seizure and then one time they'd care flighted the young man all the way to Cook's Medical Center in Fort Worth and nobody was ever able to help him. So when I was on GLC here once before, this mother in law saw me and she called her son in law and told him, said, I think this man can help us, would you call him? So she had him call me and the day the young man called, he said, Thurman, my son is three years old, and he is in the 14th seizure in 10 days. He said, is there something you can do? I said, yes, I most definitely can. I said, number one, it's an evil spirit that has your little son bound. When we get a hold of the fact that Satan and his demons are our problem, we will start taking authority over these demons. Now, this couple had, like I say, carefully this boy three times to three different hospitals, or three hospitals, or two different hospitals three times, and nobody was able to help this boy. I asked the young couple, I said, number one, I want to know, are you two Christians? They said, yes, we are. In fact, I could hear the little boys screaming over in his mother's lap right then. So, after I asked him, were they Christians, and he said, yes, we are, I asked the next question, I said, do you go to church? He said, we go to the Methodist Church here in Carlsbad, New Mexico. I said, okay. I said, are you and your wife walking in a love relationship? He said, we are. I said, so you're not holding any grudges against anybody? He said, no. Now, why would I ask that question? Because if you hold a grudge against someone, that will open the door to a demon to come into your children. Not only you, but into your children. So I knew that true scriptures from Matthew 18, through 35. So anyway, after I asked them all the pertinent questions, they met all the criteria. I told the young man, I said, your problem is just unbelief of the promises of God. I said, that's the sin that has opened the door to this devil. I said, so would you please put the phone down to the boy's ear? He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to cast out the devil. So he put the phone down to the little boy's ear, and I commanded that tormenting spirit to come out of him and leave him, and the little boy was instantly delivered, and he was healed right there. Well, the next month at my healing school, which I teach a healing school in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, two times a month, I had several people from that Methodist church in Carlsbad there, and they wanted to know what I taught. They said that for a month now, that little boy had been completely normal. No more seizures. And isn't it amazing when you learn your power and your authority over demons, just like that scripture says in Luke 10:19 and 20, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power. Now that word in the Greek right there actually means authority. Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on Satan and his demons and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding of this, rejoice not that the evil spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now the evil spirits are subject unto you when you're walking holy before God. When you're walking in obedience to God's Word, holy before God, then the devil has to be subject to you. Now, if you're living in some kind of sin, you have no power over the devil. He has power over you. In other words, if you're lying, stealing, cheating, committing adultery, fornication, any kind of sin, according to the Word of God, the devil has legal right to you, and there's absolutely no no telling what that beast may do to you. So, you want to get rid of your sin as quickly as possible and start walking holy before God because you never know what the devil's going to do. But he will get you sooner or later if you continue to live in sin. So anyway, after this little boy was set free, all these people from Carlsbad came to Dallas or to Fort Worth or to my healing school. They're actually in Justin, Texas. That's Saturday. And they took a bunch of my audio and video tapes back out there And I think it has created quite a stir in that church. They're beginning to understand the healing, delivering power of the king whenever it's spoken through the word of a man in faith. But now, like I say, to make this work for you, you must walk holy in obedience and in a love relationship before God and all people. Or these things will not work for you. You can't be living in sin and make this work. So anyway, as I'm learning these things, and I'm learning my authority and power over demonic spirits, I thought, Lord, there's still got to be something wrong here. I've got power over these devils, and I've got power over Satan, and he must be subject to me, and I've got all these people that are lost, so I wonder what it is that I'm not doing right. So you continue to study the Word of God. When you study, continue to study the Word of God... You'll come up on scriptures like this one here. and uh, I'm looking for a scripture in 1 Corinthians, but right now my mind just went blank and I can't remember exactly where it is. Maybe it's in 2 Corinthians. Let me look there just a second. This is what happens when you teach the Word of God without any notes. Yeah, it's in 2 Corinthians. There it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now I Paul myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence am based among you but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with you That confidence wherewith, I think, to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What he's saying right there, that the weapons you and I as Christians fight with are not guns and bombs and sticks and clubs, but it is the Word of God. It's power and authority and the people's minds that are blinded by the God of this world, which is Satan, which are lost, which Satan has taken captive at his will. As he has done that, he so blinded the minds of people that they cannot, under no conditions, they cannot receive the knowledge of the Word of God. So since Satan has so blinded the minds of the people and they cannot receive the Word of God, then I thought, you go and sit down and talk with these people and do everything, trying your best to get these people saved. And then I thought, There's, what exactly does the Lord mean here when I do not walk in the flesh, but I do not war after the flesh? Then I come up on this scripture in Hebrews 4. I want you to see what the Lord told us that we could do over in Hebrews 4. When we go to Hebrews chapter four, I want to take you all the way to verse 16. In Hebrews 4:16, he says, "Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need." I meditated on that verse for a long time. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace." I thought, where is the throne of grace? The throne of grace is in heaven. That's where Jesus is. So the throne of grace is in the third heaven. So therefore, let us come boldly unto the third heaven, into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I thought, how in the world can I get to the third heaven? Hmm. Then I went back to Ephesians 2.6, and it says, I'm already in Christ. So if I'm in Christ already, then all I've got to do is envision myself in the Spirit. Because if I'm already seated with Christ in the third heaven, technically, as far as God is concerned, I'm already in the third heaven. All I've got to do is see myself there. So I decided one day I would make this trip to the third heaven. As I got all these scriptures in my heart, meditating on them, realizing what Jesus did to the devil, realizing that he destroyed the works of the devil, realizing that he gave me all power and all authority over the devil, realizing that he gave me the authority that to make the enemy subject to me, and that I was already seated in Christ, that I was already more than a conqueror, according to Romans, I thought all I've got to do is learn how to catch myself up to the third heaven, to the throne of grace. And then he told me when I come in there, don't come in there, like a whipped child, he said, come in bold as a lion and tell me what you want. So the first time I did this, I closed my eyes in my bedroom. I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I'm coming to the third heaven. So I literally closed my eyes and immediately I could see all around me evil beings and angels. And I knew they were there. And so I thought, Lord, I'm coming. To the third heaven. By faith, I'm coming to the third heaven, to the throne of grace. So I begin to see myself actually leaving my bedroom and going through the roof of my house, going out into the first heaven and into the second heaven. I begin to see a battle taking place of the evil spirits that was trying to attack me to keep me from getting to the throne of grace. They didn't want me to get there. But I begin to see my warring angels fighting them off. And as I continued, then I thought about. The vision that was given to Daniel when he prayed, and it says, And the Lord heard, and he sent the angel from the third heaven to right down to the first heaven to Daniel. But it said that angel was detained by the prince of Persia in the second heaven for 21 days, because he did not want that message through. I thought, okay, Lord, this may be a battle getting through. But as I continued to see myself, I continued to see all the things of the cosmos. I've got my eyes closed, but I'm envisioning myself making this trip through the stars at the speed of thought to the third heaven. I begin to see my warring angels protecting me and fighting for me. And then I begin to come all the way into the throne and I begin to see heaven. I begin to see the lights. I begin to see the beauty of heaven and the magnificence of it and all the beautiful things that are there. And then the next thing you know, I'm coming right in to the throne of grace. And I'm coming right in. And there's Jesus. And there's this bright light, which is God the Father, sitting on the throne. And I thought, wow, Lord, there's the throne of grace. You're sitting. The Father is sitting on the throne of grace. And I am a son of God. I'm in Christ. So I have all my sins confessed. And I have the legal right to come into this third heaven anytime I want to, anytime I want to, for any reason. I said, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for this privilege. And I come in, I said, Lord, I was trembling. I said, Lord, I come in here with every sin confessed. Every sin confessed. I said, all my sins are under the blood. I'm walking in here holy and clean and pure. And then I looked at Jesus' right hand, and there I was in Christ. And then I looked to his left hand, and I saw the accuser of the brethren, the devil, standing there, Satan himself. And as I began to worship and praise the Lord and thank him for who he was and what he had done, I thought, Lord, how magnificent you are, how awesome you are. I said, Lord, I thank you that I come in here clean and pure, and the enemy has no claim to me whatsoever. I am washed in the blood. And then I saw this magnificent throne with these two lawyers sitting there, and then I begin to get another revelation. as I approach the throne of grace and begin to petition the Father for the souls of these people, I start saying, "Lord, John Doe down there on Earth." I said, "He's lost, and this beast here, Satan, he's got beings in the heavenlies and on earth, demons that are blinding the mind according to the scripture of this man. Lord. I said, you told me that you wanted everybody to be saved. You wanted everybody in the universe, every human being on the earth, to come and accept you as Lord and Savior. So I know it is your will to save every human being every time. So I said, Father, I know it's your will. And you told me this is the confidence I have in you, that if I ask anything according to your will, you hear my prayer and you answer it. So I said, Lord, I am coming against this devil And I'm commanding him to stop transmitting power and authority through his spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies to the demons on earth that are blinding the mind of John Doe or whatever the loved one or the person's name is you're praying for. And as I would start praying, the devil would step up and say, but he sinned right here. And Jesus would say, but that's under my blood. He's already confessed it. So you have no claim to him there. And I thought, Lord, what if I come to the throne of grace and I have a sin that's not under the blood? What if I've not confessed it? He said, in that case, you're a sinner. And when he accuses you, you can't, you can't get your prayer answered. I thought, wow, that confirms what you said in Psalm 66:18 that you don't hear the prayer of a sinner. So I said, Lord, I now see that as I come into the throne of grace, it is so important that I walk in here holy and clean and pure if I want my prayers answered. I said, Lord, I want to make sure every time I come to the third heaven like this, that I have every sin covered in under the blood. I'm going to make sure that I'm clean and pure in your sight. And so I begin to take authority over that beast, Satan. I said, Satan, I have power and authority over you because it's written in Luke 10, 19 and 20. My Jesus has given me all power over you and I demand Satan that you stop transmitting that power and authority to those evil spirits in the heavenlies and they stop transmitting power and authority to the demons on earth that's blinding the mind of John Doe and I demand in Jesus' name that you stop doing that. And then I turned back to the Father and I said, Now, Lord, I'm going to ask you, you said in John 6:44 that no one can be saved except you draw them. I said, I know you draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I said, Father, in Jesus' name, since I know it's your will to save every human being on the earth, I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to send the mighty Holy Spirit to the earth that's already on the earth, but you send him to that person that I've just named, and you begin to convict him of sin, and you draw him and woo him into the kingdom of God. I said, Lord, as you do that, as you convict him of sin and draw him into the kingdom of God, I ask you now to send the proper labor that's on earth, that that proper labor will go in and begin to share with John Doe the things of the kingdom so you can bring them into the kingdom and save them and set them free from the forces of darkness. After I would praise him and worship him and thank him a few minutes, or maybe a long time depending on how long I wanted to stay there. It's lots of fun to go to the third heaven with your eyes closed and to see in the spirit world all these wonderful things. You really don't want to leave. So then I would see myself, when I would get ready to leave, I would see myself leaving heaven, coming back through the second heaven from the third heaven. I would see this battle again raging between the evil spirits and my angels, and I would come all the way back to the earth. I thought, Lord, what a trip. This is magnificent. He began to show me this. And so then I thought, thought, well, I will start doing this for individual people. And so I started. This has been several years ago when I learned how to do this. I would take a loved one, or a person that I would met uh, that I had met, and I would begin to take them before the throne of grace whenever they were lost, and their eyes were blinded by the God of this world. I can remember a man. Just to give you an example of how powerful some of these testimonies are, after I learned this, about ten years ago, one of the men, I walked out one morning to meet with some men, and when I did, I was talking to men and introducing myself, and when I come to this one man, I asked him what his name was, and he told me, and I asked him, I said, Well, brother, I said, Are you a Christian? Wow, what came out of his mouth? Blankety-blank, no. I mean, boy, did he lay it on me. He said, I don't believe in that blankety-blank Christian stuff. He said, you can talk to these other guys about that stuff, but don't talk to me about it. I told him, I said, well, I'm glad you give me your name. He said, why? I said, because I'm going to take you before the throne of grace, and you're going to get saved. The guy, he thought, not me. I'm never going to church. Well, I realized that was a demon talking out of that man's mouth, and that man wanted to get saved, but the God of this world, Satan, had blinded his mind to the truth of the Word of God and that I had power and authority over him. So every morning as I would go to work, I had about a 45-minute 40, drive from my home to work where I worked in the Dallas area at that time. I would literally, as I'm driving down the road, envision myself going to the third heaven and approaching heaven. Of course, I've got my eyes open because I'm driving. But I would envision myself going to the third heaven. I would rebuke the enemy. I would quote those scriptures in Luke ten, nineteen, and 20. I would demand Satan stop blinding the mind of this man. I'd call his full name. And then I'd thank the Lord for sending the Holy Spirit to begin to convict this man of sin and woo him and draw him into the kingdom of God and save him. And then I would thank him again for sending the proper labor. I said, now, Lord, if that labor can be me, send me. But if that labor is not me, then you send the right labor into the harvest to bring that man into the kingdom of God. I said, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for doing it for this man. I prayed that every day for a couple of weeks. Didn't see any change whatsoever. But I know I'm pulling down these strongholds. I know I'm doing what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5. I know I'm coming against the forces of darkness. I know I'm coming against those demons of disobedience. I know they have to be subject to me because the Word of God says so. But you must realize we're in a battle on this earth. And some of the battles take longer than others. Some of the demons are more powerful than others. But if you stay with it with no doubt in your heart, depending upon your faith level, it will determine how long it takes you to break through in one of these cases. This case had been going on, I don't know, two or three weeks. And I did this every morning for this one man. One morning, this man that wouldn't have nothing to do with me, that wouldn't even talk to me about Jesus, he walked into my office. He walked in he said, Thurman, he said, I'm just coming by here and I'm drinking a cup of coffee. He said, uh, do you mind if I sit here in your office and talk to you a minute while I drink my coffee? I said, no, brother, sit down. Have a, have a seat. He sat in there a few minutes. He said, by the way, he said, I didn't say a thing to him about the Lord or religion or nothing else because he'd been so vulgar before. So I just thought I'll see what God's doing. So I was sitting there and all of a sudden he said, where do you go to church? And I told him. He said, what do you think about a certain preacher? And, of course, he made mention of a preacher that had failed in uh, sexual immorality. Of course, it's amazing how we all m- remember all the preachers that fall through sin. That's why we need to walk holy, holy as preachers, because the world is watching us far closer than they are anybody else. But anyway, he asked me about this man, and I told him, I said, well, the man's a great man of God. He just made a mistake. But I said, he repented, and I said, the Lord Has forgiven him. Then he asked me about another man that got hung up in some financial things, and he said, What do you think about him? I said, Well, greed got to him, and he had a huge ministry, and there was many, many, many dollars coming into his ministry, and I said he just spent some of it he shouldn't have spent. But I said, That's okay. He has repented and the Lord has taken care of his children. He said, Don't you think that those preachers want that money just so they'll have that money to spend on themselves? I said, no, the preachers don't get the money. They just get paid a salary. And I said, most of them don't get paid a very big salary. I said, but the thing about it is, the devil will make you think that that's what's happening. And he'll say, don't you dare go down to that church, because if you go down to that church, all them preachers are going to want is your money. I said, but that's a lie. I said, God commanded us as men and women of God to give him the first 10% of all of our increase. And I said, God's watching all of us. I said, so those of us that don't tithe, we will not be blessed. But I said, those that tithe will be blessed. And I said, but the enemy would make you think that that's the only reason you need that he wants you to go to church is so you have to give money to the preacher. But I said, that's not the case. I said, you know what the devil will do to you? I said, he will deceive you all your life, and then he'll tell you all these lies, and then one day... You'll come to the end of your life, and that devil will kill you. And when he kills you, then he'll laugh at you, and he'll take you screaming into a godless hell, and that's where you'll stay forever. And that man jumped up out of that chair, and he said, Thurman, I've heard that voice. I have heard that voice. That devil's told me those things you just said. He said, I'm not going to go to hell. I said, well, you're going to if you don't make Jesus Lord of your life. I've learned you got to be just very blunt to get people's attention. But I said, the Lord's working on you, I know, because I've been praying for you and to kicking the devil out of your life. He said, what do I need to do to get saved? I said, first thing you need to do, you need to stop down here as you go to work, this, or go from work this morning and pick you up a Bible and start reading. And I said, read Matthew and read Romans. And I told him several scriptures to read. I said, when you read those, if you have any questions, give me a call. So a few days goes by and he called me and he said, Thurman, I mean, this Bible says all I got to do is confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart the Father raised him from the dead and I will be saved. I said, that's all it takes. He said, I want to do that because I don't want to go to hell. I said, good, that's a good reason to do it because you don't want to go to hell. I said, I didn't want to go to hell either. I said, if there was no other reason in the world to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's because I don't want to go to hell. I said, that's a bad place, and it's a place of flame and torment, and it's going to be there forever. And I said, whether people believe it's there or not, it's there. So I said, I'm glad you've come to that realization. So I led that man to Jesus that morning. It was real easy. After I'd kicked the devil out of him and got his eyes where they were not blinded by the God of this world, it was very easy for him to see the truth. And he came and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Then about uh, two or three, four months later, uh, I was with that man one day, and he was having all kinds of pain in his arm. I said, what's wrong with you, brother? Ah, oh, he said, they're in my arms. He said, I'm getting so old. He was about 50, really getting old and wore out. He said, I'm so old. And he said, I've got this problem. He said, my arms I said one of them, uh, I had surgery done on a few months ago and said it took about three months for it to get well and said it was so painful. He said, I'm just going to take a shot in this other one every month or two. He said, I can't stand to have this other arm broke and fixed back like they did that one. That one. I said, well, you don't have to do that no more. He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a child of God now. I said, the Lord has given us these great and mighty promises in his word so that we can become partakers of the divine nature of God. And I said, within the divine nature of God, there is no sickness and disease in the divine nature of God. I said, he told us clearly that by faith we could do that. I said, now, I know that you have had no knowledge of the Word of God, but we need the Word of God, and we need a promise in God's Word that will get you healed. I said, what I want you to do, I want you to go home, and I want you to read Matthew 18:19 a dozen times. One verse a dozen times. That's all you need to read, one verse, but read it a dozen times. I said, and read it out loud. Read it out loud. He said, okay, I'll do it. So he went home. And he read that verse many times, and he came back the next day, and he said, Thurman, Matthew 18:19, Jesus is talking. I said, I know that. And I said, what did he say? <clears throat> he said, again, I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father, which is in heaven. He said, Thurman, the way I read that book, that's a blank check from God. I said, that's exactly what it is. That's one of those great and awesome and wonderful promises that the devil has blinded our mind to not only the church, but the world totally has blinded their mind. I said, the devil has blinded the mind of the church to these mighty promises that God just laid all through the Word of God for us. He said, that means we can ask him to heal my arm and he'll do it. I said, it's a guarantee, a guarantee from God to do it. I said, now, I know you were washed in the blood just a few months ago, I know all of your old sins were remitted and they were put under the bud. So I said, have you done or committed any kind of sin from that time you got saved until now? He said, well, I've done a few things, but he said, I've already confessed them to the Lord. I said, okay, and you're not doing them no more, right? He said, no, I'm trying my best to walk in obedience to what the Lord's showing me in this book. I said, okay, good. I said, now that you've done that, I said, let me pray with you. And I reached up and laid my hands on him. I said, Father... In the name of Jesus, according to Matthew 18:19, where you said if two of us on earth, two of us on earth agreed about anything we ask you for, it would be done for you by our Father, which is in heaven. I said, Lord, thank you for healing Larry's arm. I said, now then, I said, move your arm. And he tried to move it, and he said, oh, it hurts just as bad as it always did. I said, it's going to be a healing then and not a miracle. I said, now God does things at least two different ways. One of those, when it comes to the flesh, he heals. And he heals sometimes instantly. And that's what I call a miracle healing. But I said, he doesn't do that all the time. Sometimes he just heals. And I said, when he heals, it takes a little longer. But I said, you must not throw away your confidence in the Word. You must stand on the Word, just like the book of Hebrews says. Do not cast away your confidence in the Word. But you have need of patience. So... I said all you need to do now from this point forth is go and thank God for your healing of your arm. He said that's all I got to do. I said that's all you got to do. It's done. Jesus said it. Don't doubt. If you doubt, I said it's not done. So I said we must believe with no doubt in our heart. I said now the devil may come by and try to get you to think it's not done because he may put a pain or a symptom upon you. But I said don't believe him. I said if the pains begin to get more intense, you know the healing is even closer. So I said, just praise and worship the Lord a little louder. I said, thank him and praise him for your complete healing. And with no doubt in your heart, and I said, God can't lie. So I said, I guarantee you in a few days to a few weeks, your arm will be completely healed. Well, two or three weeks goes by. This gentleman come running in my office one morning, throwing both hands up in the air. He was just jumping, screaming, praising God. (laughs) I looked at him. I said, when did it happen? He said, I don't even know. He said, I was out there this morning working. And I realized I had both hands over my head and there was no pain. So he said, I am healed. I said, well, just keep praising the king and worshiping him. Now, then, when you learn to make these trips to the third heaven and you learn to come in there holy and clean with all of your sins, confessed, Satan has no legal claim to you. Now, then. If you go to the third heaven with sin in your life, the devil's going to accuse you, I guarantee, of everything you've never confessed. He's going to try everything he can to block your prayer. So you make sure you're walking holy before God in obedience to His Word. And when you do, then you can come into the third heaven for those lost people and you can see them get saved, you can see people get healed, you can see the Lord do all kinds of wonderful things. But to... Do that. Start off making sure that you know the Scriptures. Every Scripture we've quoted quoted tonight that would show you what you can do, make sure you've written them down on a page. You've got them laid out where you can go right down through them and read them and know them and make sure you've got them hidden in your heart so you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's Word's true and it means exactly what it says. And then... Make sure, just like 1 John 1.9 says, 1 John 1.9 says, if we sin, we come and confess our sin, and he is righteous and just to forgive our sin and to restore us to fellowship. So we make sure that after we become a Christian, we walk in everything we can to not sin. No way, no how, clean and pure before God. Walk holy before him. And therefore, you give no place to the devil. When you give no place to the devil, the devil cannot attack you. He cannot do harm to you. He cannot touch you if you walk holy before God. And then when you catch yourself up into the throne of grace, into the third heaven, he will not be able to accuse you of no sin that's not unconfessed. So if you've confessed every sin and you're holy and clean before God, then you can come into the throne of grace. You can come boldly in there. You can come in and kneel down. You can kneel right before the throne of grace and you can worship the king. And as you worship the king, you love him, you praise him, and you thank him for all these scriptures, quoting them out loud so he will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know Him, and make sure the devil knows them so that you'll be able to get wonderful things done. As I learned how to do these things, I had another, this man that I told you this story about a few minutes ago, he was in his early 50s. But just a few months ago, there was a lady that lives about three hours from where I live, and she called me. And she said, Thurman, I was just over at my dad's house, and my dad's in his 80s. And she said, my dad is not in the best of health. And she said, my dad is lost. He has been lost all of his life. She said, I have come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I love Jesus with all my heart. I have prayed for my dad. I've asked the Lord to save my dad. I've done everything, but nothing happens. I said, well, honey, that's what the Lord wants to do, save your dad. But I said, he cannot because Satan, the God of this world, is blinding his mind. She said, I was just over there, and I thought, well, since dad's not in the best of health, I'll go over there and just share Jesus with him and tell him how much Jesus loves him. And she said, I walked in. Now, this is the man's daughter. This is not an outsider. This is his daughter. His daughter's about 50, or they about. She said, I walked in the house and began to try to talk to my daddy about Jesus, and my daddy literally cussed me out and throwed me out of the house. Told me he did not want me ever to come back if that's all I had to talk about. She said, it broke my heart. I said, sure, I understand, but I said, that was not your daddy talking. That was the devil. That's Satan in your daddy. I said, he's in there, and he has blinded your daddy's mind to the gospel. I said, now then, no problem. I said, I know exactly what to do. I said, I know you're a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. So I said, what I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to catch you and me up to the third heaven. I want you to envision everything we do as we go through the second heaven all the way to the throne of grace in the third heaven. I said, then you and I are going to come in Christ into the boldly before the throne of grace and the third heaven. I said, do you have all of your sins confessed? She said, oh, yes, I have all my sins confessed. She said, I pray and talk to the Lord all time, and I am walking holy before him. I said, all right, I figured you were, but I had to ask that question. We went to the throne of grace. We came in boldly. She and I did. She's three hours' drive away from me, but she's on the telephone there, and I'm here. But there's absolutely no distance in the spirit world. So when we caught ourselves up into the third heaven, we came right into the throne of grace together. We came right in before the Father in the name of Jesus, knowing all of our sins are confessed. I came in, and we came in praising the King. Now, she's a worship and praise leader, so she came in worshiping and praising the King. I could hear her on the phone, worshiping and praising the Lord. As I'm doing the same thing, we must have worshiped and praised Him for, I don't know, 10, 15, or 20 minutes. A time you just lose touch of time when you make these trips to the third heaven. But as we worshiped and praised the King for the privilege to be able to come boldly into the throne of grace, what a privilege this is. We're already seated with Christ in the third heaven. We're more than conquerors in Christ. Everything belongs to us as children of God. He didn't leave us stripped of all power and armament. He left us with everything. He gave us everything we needed. He gave us the keys of the kingdom of heaven so we can come against the enemy and fight these battles with the devil. So as we caught ourselves up into the third heaven and worshiped and praised the king, after we had done that for several minutes, I said, now then, Satan, I call you here And I am giving you a command. I said, you are the accuser of the brethren, Satan. And I am demanding in the name of Jesus that you be subject to me because I am in Christ and I am above you now. And I can give you direct commands in the name of Jesus. I said, you are to stop sending the power and authority to those evil wicked spirits in the heavenlies that's transmitting that power and authority to those demons on earth that's blinding the mind of so-and-so. And I called her dad's full name before the throne of grace. I said, you are to stop it, and you are to stop it now in Jesus' name. I said, Satan, I will not take no for an answer, because the Word of God clearly says you have to be subject to me in the name of Jesus. And I'm walking holy and obedient to the Word of God. I'm washed in the blood, so you have no power and no authority over me in Jesus' name. And so, after we did this for a few minutes, after we rebuked the enemy... And commanded him to get his hands off of this man. Then I said, now, Father, you clearly told me in your word, any time I come and ask anything that's in accordance with your will, you know you hear me. I know you hear me because my heart does not condemn me. You said over in the book of 1 John that when my heart does not condemn me with sin, I know that I have the petition that I ask of you. So I said, Father, I come in with my heart clean. I come in with all my sins under the blood. So I know your will is to save this man. I know your will is to set him free. I know you want him saved like you want every other man on the earth saved. So I said, Father, send that mighty Holy Spirit on earth to begin to convict him of sin, draw him into the kingdom of God, and save him. I said, Lord, I consider it done. But now we need a person down there to witness to him to get him saved. The Holy Spirit will... Convict him of sin and draw him in. But I need a human being, just like you said, pray and ask the Father to send labors into the harvest to bring them in. So I said, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to send the proper labor to so-and-so to bring him into the kingdom. And I consider him saved. And I said, Father, when you bring him in, fill him with the Holy Spirit and set him on high and use him mightily for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. I said, thank you, Lord. It's done. So then she and I continued to worship and praise the king for about another 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. And she said, Thurman, this is wonderful up here. She said, I'm just, I'm just envisioning that I'm in the third heaven with the Lord. I said, you are. I said, you are. So after a few minutes, I said, well, let's go ahead and let's, uh, let's get off this telephone. So let's, get, let's close ourselves out here. Let's come back down to earth. I said, it's done. Your daddy is saved because it's written in the word of God. I said, now all you need to do. It's worship him and praise him and thank him that your dad is saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. So we come down to the third heaven, hung the phone up just a few weeks, three, four, five weeks, I guess it was, went by. My phone rang one day, and I happened to be at home or at the ministry center. The phone rang, and she said, Thurman, and I happened to answer, and she says, praise God, I've got to tell you what happened. I said, What happened? She said, you know, the other day when I called you and and you took me to the third heaven for my daddy that was lost? I said, yes, I do. She said, today, my daddy got saved. She said, a man came by and started talking to him about Jesus. And she said, my daddy got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said, everything in his life has changed. He called me and wanted to come over. And I said, daddy, what do you want? He said, I just got saved. And she said, I couldn't hardly believe it. But she said, I went running over there. And everything that come out of my daddy's mouth glorified the Lord. She said, I had to call you and tell you how wonderful it was. She said, my daddy called our veterinary because they live on a great big farm. they got several hundred acres of ranch land. Said, my daddy called the veterinary that used to do a lot of work for us with our horses and cattle and told him that he got saved. And he told him, he said, something's happened to you. So he said, the veterinarian come running over to our house and come in and said, Daddy was just praising God, worshiping him. And he said, this guy looked at him. He said, I would have never, ever believed anything like this would have ever happened to you. After 80-something years, he'd known this man 50 of those 80 years. And he said, all you've been is meaner than the devil himself all these years. So he said, it's just something to see the transformation that take place in your life. The reason people are not saved on the earth is for the simple reason that we as the body of Christ have not taken the time to learn who we are in Christ and what we can do in the name of Jesus. When we learn the promises of God and that every one of these promises to you and me are yes and amen every time, when we come before the throne of grace asking for mercy, When you do it in faith, God is listening. He's listening. He wants to do wonderful things for you. He has empowered the church with all of the magnificent power that there is. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. People go out and pray for God to save someone, and that's what he's trying to do. He told us in his word what we need to do. And that is, we need to take authority over the forces of darkness and kick them out in Jesus' name because he clearly says that if there's any lost on this earth, they're lost because a God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded your mind to the gospel. Now then, if all this is true, and it is because it's written in God's Word, then what if you are a Christian and you're bound up with drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever, Who is that? That's the same devil. The same devil has you bound up. Since I've learned that the devil comes into the lives of Christians and binds us up and gets us involved in things where we cannot control ourselves, we have to learn the power we have. And if we're bound up by the devil, chances are he's blinded your mind so you will not know who your authority is. But if you'll go to a man or a woman that's not bound by the devil, that you'll find somebody that has not yielded to sin and that is walking holy before God, they can touch you in the name of Jesus and they can show you scriptures that will get you set free. Now then, I think about the the young man that came to a healing school in the Dallas area just a few months ago. And when he came in, his mother and uh, dad was with him. And this young man was like 30 years old. Mother said, you cannot trust him with anything, not anything. She said, he will steal money out of my purse. I said, he'll go buy drugs. He'll do all kinds of things. Well, I brought the young man up there. He'd already been to, served a several-year prison sentence. I brought the young man up there, and I said, young man, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, yes, I do. I said, then do you want to be free from this? Because I said, this is a devil. He said, sir, I would give anything to be free from what I do, he said, No, I hate what I do. I said, Well, you do what you do because you've yielded to a devil. I said, no, this devil's come into your life and he's tormenting you. And I said, This devil has been completely defeated by our Savior, and he can do nothing to us until we give him legal right with our tongue. So, when he comes to make us sick, he can't make us sick unless we give him legal right with our tongue. We sin somehow, some way, then this beast comes in to torment us. I said, Now then. Do you want to be free from your drugs and alcohol and all that stuff? He said, I'd give anything to be free. I said, Joel 232, the Lord made you a promise. He said, anybody that comes to him for deliverance, he will in no wise turn you away. I said, Jesus is the deliverer. I said, he promised to deliver you. I said, all you got to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry for stealing. I'm sorry for drinking. I'm sorry for taking Drugs, I'm sorry for smoking, and I don't want these things no more in Jesus' name. Lord, please deliver me according to your word in Jesus' name. And he did that. And I said, now, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and command you to get away from this boy and stop tormenting him and don't come back in Jesus' name. Within two weeks, I got a phone call back to the minister center from this couple, and this mother was almost stepping over into unbelief. She said, I know you said don't ever say you don't believe it. But she said, Mr. Scrivener, this is something that's the closest thing to being beyond my wildest dreams that I could ever imagine. She said, from the minute we left your uh, healing school to come home, my son has been a totally different boy. She said, he's not taken a single drug. He's not smoked a cigarette. He's not stole anything. And he's totally, completely delivered of everything. Well, I mean, Jesus is the healer. He clearly said, if you want to be free, He'll deliver you. Now then, if you want to be free from sin, from sickness and disease, Jesus is the healer. He's the Savior. He's the deliverer. He wants to set you free. But you got to want to be free. If you enjoy the sin you're living in, He will not deliver you. He will not deliver you from your friend. So, this is another secret I've learned. People at say, well, yeah, I enjoy smoking. So you can't cast that demon out of them. He's not going to leave. You've got to do some warfare praying for that person first. And when you catch yourself up to the third heaven and do your warfare praying against that evil spirit that's blinding their mind to alcohol, nicotine, whatever it is, after you've done your warfare praying, then the Holy Spirit will do His work. And then when they come under conviction, then they will come and they will want to be delivered. And then you can get them set free, and then you can change their life forever. When you realize that the God of this world, which is Satan, he is the one that's blinding the minds of you. He is the one blinding the mind of your children. He is the one blinding the mind of your husband or your loved one. And when you learn, all you've got to do is confess your sins and walk wholly before God. And learn to catch yourself up into the third heaven and come against that devil. Rebuke him by faith and drive him out in Jesus' name. You will see many people come into the kingdom of God. You'll see people get saved. You'll see people get healed. From the third heaven, you can get things done that you cannot do from anywhere else. You can rebuke a demon on earth. me give you another example of a case where you don't have to go to the third heaven. There was a a couple, a grandmother and a grandfather called me the other day. It was on Thursday. She said, Mr. Scrivener, we've heard about your healing school in Dallas. I said, we have a seven-year-old son and said he's really rebellious, a grandson, said he's rebellious and very hard to handle. She said, what do we need to do? I said, bring him to a healing school. She said, but sir, he's not sick. I said, oh, yeah, he's sick. He's sick in a different way. I said, but he has a demon. That's what the boy's problem is. And so she said, okay. I said, I have one next Saturday. So I said, bring him over there. So they brought him over, and they sat through four hours of teaching, two two-hour sessions. After we got through, the, mother, the grandmother and the grandfather came up. They brought the young boy. Actually, they didn't bring the young boy. They came up, and I asked them. I said, are you the couple that said you had the seven-year-old grandson? She said, yes. I said, well, where is he? She said, well, he's running around back here playing somewhere. I said, well, call him up here. So they called him up there. He come up there. He stood right between them. I knelt down in front of him where I'd be looking him right in the eye. I said, son, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, no, and I'm not interested. Boy, he was very bold. He didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. I said, oh, so you don't want nothing to do with Jesus? He said, no, I'm not interested. Now, let me tell you, I knew that was a devil speaking out of the mouth of that little boy. I knew that little boy had been made in the image of God. And I knew that he had a spirit in him that was dead, and it was dead by the God of this world. And Jesus could not get through to him until I kicked that devil out of him. I reached up and grabbed that little boy by the shoulders, and I looked him right in the eye and I said, You devil of hell. I said, I have authority and power over you, the demons of hell that are blinding the mind of this young man. I demand that you stop blinding his mind now in Jesus' name. I have power and authority over the devil according to the Word of God. I believe it. If Jesus said, I have all power and all authority over Satan and his demons and they have to be subject to me, then I believe they must be subject to me in the name of Jesus. So when I spoke, knowing all my sins were confessed, knowing I was walking in obedience to the Word of God, when I took authority over that demon in that little seven-year-old boy and commanded that demon to stop blinding his mind to the gospel, I said, Now, son... How would you like to make Jesus Lord of your life? And that little boy looked up at me and said, I'd love it. Just that quick, that simple. He said, I'd love it. I'd love to make Jesus Lord of my life. I said, well, would you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart the Father raised Him the dead for you? He said, I will. And so we went through the prayer, salvation prayer, led the little boy to Jesus. I think about these things, and I think about this uh, story uh, As I've taught these things and sent out my videotapes all over the country, free and postpaid, as I've sent those training tapes to people, because I want people to know these things, I want them to learn, I had a woman call me back. She said, I am a fairly new Christian. I am about five years as a Christian, although she said I'm a a middle-aged woman. But she said, I didn't know any of these things that you teach on your tapes but she said, after I heard that we had power to cast out devils and to heal the sick, because in Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, we, the believers, shall cast out devils. We shall speak with new tongues. We shall handle the devil. We shall drink deadly poison. If we, if we drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt us at all. And we shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall get well. She said, when I heard you say that, I went to my Bible, and I looked it up, and she said, that verse was in my Bible. So she said, I thought, wow, if Mr. Scribner can do this, and it's in my Bible, then I can do it. So she said, I believe that I know that all my sins are confessed. So she said, I work in the nursery up to the six-year-olds. She said, the other day, a mother and a father brought a little child in to the nursery, And Daddy was carrying him. And I said, what happened? And they said, well, he damaged his foot and said he's not able to walk. And so so they brought him in and laid him down. And said, after they brought him in and laid him down, she said, after the mother and father left, I told the other children, I said, children, would you all please come over here? We're going to lay hands on this boy, and we're going to take God's word, and we're going to ask the Father in Jesus' name to heal this foot of this little boy, this damaged his foot, they can't walk. And so she said, I got all those six and seven, five, six, seven-year-olds in the nursery of the young people's group there, got them together, opened God's Word, we laid hands on him, we prayed for him and asked the Lord, according to that scripture, to heal the boy's foot. And we thanked him for doing it. And she said, now I told him, you're healed. Get up and walk on that foot. And so she said, the little boy put his foot down. And he said, well, there's no pain. And so said, he got up and ran all over the place. She said in an hour or so when the class was over, the mother and father after church come to get him and said when they walk back there, he run to greet them. And daddy says, how are you doing this? You can't walk. And I thought, isn't that amazing? Here a young man goes running to meet his mother and father and they see him walking. And instead of saying, praise God, he's healed. They say he can't do that. It never ceases to amaze me of the unbelief in the church today. These magnificent promises are all over this wonderful book of what we can do in the name of Jesus. Now, because of these great and mighty promises that God's given us, He has told us what to do. He's told us how to do it. Everything. But when I begin to read this book in detail for myself, I wondered why the church does not believe these great and awesome promises. I just couldn't understand that. Until I understood that the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded not only the minds of the lost people, but he's blinded the man of the church. We as church members have allowed the enemy to come into our bodies and blind our minds to the word of God. The average church member today can sit down like we started back on an airplane from Baltimore the other day, and a young man was a Christian, was sitting there beside me, and I began to talk to him about the Word of God and ask him if he was a Christian. He said he was. I said, when's the last time you've seen Jesus answer a prayer or do a miracle? He said, well, I've never seen that. I said, what a shame. You must live in a church like I was raised up in. I said, but let me show you some of the promises of God, and let me tell you what I've seen the Lord do. So I began to share with him these things, and wow, he got all excited. He said, wow. He said, I'd love to see God do some of those things. I said, no problem. You can do it. I said, get your Bible out. He had one with him. He got it out. He said, where do I need to start reading? I said, the book of John has got some of the most awesome promises in it you've ever seen. He opened his Bible to the book of John, chapter 1, and he started reading, and that boy didn't read five verses Until he passed out of sleep. Five verses, and he was asleep. And that boy dropped his Bible on the floor, and he slept all the way to Dallas and did not wake up. Who do you think sent the spirit of slumber to put that boy to sleep? The devil. It certainly was not God. So when you begin to understand who the devil is, you'll start kicking him out. You'll sit down. You'll take the Word of God. You'll begin to read it and study it. And if you even begin to think about getting sleepy... You will kick the devil out, command him to leave, and you will begin to understand the Word of God like you've never understood it before. Praise the King.
0: Amen. What a night. You know, Michael and I are on the phones. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but I want to talk to the audience. Audience, never be bashful when you want to get healed, even if there's a camera there because God's the only one that counts. Amen. And you can't believe by you coming for like those two ladies, how much that encourages somebody to believe. What happened on the phones with you tonight?
2: Really, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we had numerous calls that uh, were calling in during uh, Pastor Scrivener's message. Uh, One gentleman in particular that was calling from New Mexico uh, that had had a quadruple bypass uh, less than a week ago, and he felt literally God healing inside and outside and the scar healing and only seven days since the surgery. And he felt everything just connecting and growing back. Really? Yes. And several other uh, people calling for, for healing because they were feeling the power of God. And you know, one of the things that I really want to reiterate to you that uh, what Al was saying, when you come up in faith like the two ladies did, it tells so many people out there in the audience, it's okay, it's that okay message to step forth. And it's that first step into that faith walk that makes the total difference.
0: That lady I talked to, the first one, she said that when she, Sermon, after you prayed for her, she says, I know I'm healed. Amen. And that's a positive way. Amen. That's a beginning no matter what, isn't it?
1: Yes. The reason, you know, one reason that lady knows she's healed, a a few months ago, I prayed for her and she had allergies. And she confessed that to me. She says, I don't have allergies no more. Yeah, I prayed for her a couple months ago and she said she was instantly healed of allergies and had no medication or nothing. So that's why she came over here tonight, to be healed for the rest of her problems. Amen. So, uh, so thank Jesus for the wonderful things he does.
0: I know you've got some things you want to share, but we're going to save some time to pray over these at the end. Okay, what else you want to share? Well, I, I've never met one of you guys that's so full of God you don't have a P.S.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the thing about it is I just I cannot... You know, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of God's children learning who they are as children of the King and the importance of walking holy in obedience to the Word of God. Because what I have learned that from this book, so pronounced that if we will walk holy before God, we do not give any place to the devil. And therefore, if we give no place to the devil, then he can't make us sick because sickness and disease comes from the devil. Now, that's how I have walked in divine health for the last 20 years. Now, if I can do that, everybody can do that. But it will take getting in this Word, building your faith to a level that's up there where that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt this book is true. It means what it says. And when you get to that point where you can believe it, Then you can, it's just amazing. It's kind of like the simplicity of the word, like the story I told you about the milk. Did you hear me tell that story or were you out? I'm on the phone. You're on the phones? It's amazing, just a few weeks ago, that my wife, she started, we'd been out of town for three weeks, basically. So we'd bought a gallon of milk and we'd only used half of it. So when we came in to have breakfast that morning, she looked at the milk and it's three weeks past the date. So immediately, she's a normal lady, so the first thing she does is take the lid off, going to pour it in the sink. And I told her, I said, no, honey, don't pour out the milk. There's not anything wrong with the milk. And she said, of course there is. It's three weeks past the usable date. I said, no, that's if you're a man of the world. But if you're a man that walks by faith, Jesus says that you can say what you want to with your mouth. And if you believe it with your heart, you'll have whatever you say. Mark 11:23. He gave us that kind of dominion and power on the earth, even over everything. He's given us dominion over the elements and all. So <laughs> I told her, I said, the milk is good, I guarantee. And she said, you can't be serious. I said, yeah, pour me a glass. So she poured me a glass of milk. She said, it didn't come out in lumps. I said, sure, it's sweet, I guarantee. I started to my mouth. She said, you're going to smell it first. I said, of course not. That would be doubt. I'm going to drink it. So I pulled it to the mouth and drank it, and it tastes beautiful. I said, here. And I leaned it over to her, and she sniffed it first. She even took a... She still was not that woman of faith. She needs to be. But she's learning these things. See, I've been walking in this for 30 years. She's just learning. So she took a sip, and she said, it is good. I said, of course it is. Mark 11:23, Jesus said, we can have whatever we say with our mouth if we believe it with our heart. That's where our saying becomes so important. We have to say good things and not bad things. And we're so... Used to saying the bad things. And one of the things that people need to learn is the power of the tongue. Say what you want from the Word of God, and you'll see great and awesome things happen.
0: You know why you're doing that on the milk? Last week I went home after one of these programs, poured myself a glass of milk. And it was sour. Uh-oh. You see, I should have listened to you say this last week, <laughs> but I guarantee I will from now on.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, now, don't put God to the test, Al. You know, don't let milk sit in there three or four weeks saying, oh, that's okay. I can leave it as long <laughs> as I want to. We were out of town three weeks. Ago. Okay. So we didn't put him to the test. Now, you know, now don't do that. If you got milk, you know, drink it. Drink or it. The, get it out of the way. Yeah, get it out of the way. Don't, don't put him to the test. But if you you know, are out of town, and you didn't have the opportunity to, to use it, then the Word of God will work for you.
0: We need to tell you people that Thurman will be here tomorrow night. And uh, we're going to go through the same kind of a format again tomorrow night. So if you want to drive over here from wherever you're at, we'll put out chairs here. We can put 75 to 100 people in this audience without any trouble.
1: Sure. And
0: uh and I bet you'd be glad to pray for
1: a hundred of them. I pray for anybody and everybody. In fact, the other day I prayed for people for five hours at a place I was. Five hours and saw God do awesome miracles. You got
0: anything you want to say here?
2: Uh, just quickly reminding you not only to come, but also come be a part of the phone room and be a blessing. You know, let that, oh, that faith factor come forth and come forth out of your mouth, and read it in the Word tomorrow. Then come out tomorrow night and be a part of that faith and healing.
0: It was more fun being on the phone than just sitting in this <laughs> chair. Amen. Because you're
1: touching people. Amen. And that's what God wants. Oh, yeah, that's what He wants us that's to do. Right. Just like when you pray in there, you pray in faith, it makes no difference who's praying. Right. He hears, and He's the healer. I'm going to so give that's... these to you because okay. there's many people said make sure Thurman prays over them. Okay, so we're going to put our hands on these. Mm-hmm. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you said if just two or three of us, gather together, ask or agree about anything we ask you, it will be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. So, Father, every one of these people that called in tonight, I ask them to confess their sins and agree with the Word that with their sins confessed they have power and authority over the enemy. And, Lord, I commend every sickness and every disease to leave these people's bodies as they confess their sins and as they believe, because you said if we agree... It will be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. So, Father, meet every person's need, whatever it is, healing, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial, whatever it is. I ask you to move by the power of your Holy Spirit and touch their lives and meet their needs, whatever it is, so that it may bring glory and honor to you. And may each person give you the glory because you and you alone are worthy to receive this glory and honor. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, Lord. We praise you and thank you for doing it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God you. Worship. God.